0: Staying true to America's national destiny, the voice of the awakening. Your host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. David said, I've been young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken to a seed begging bread, amen? And don't get me wrong. I don't sit and calculate. Well, now, Lord, if I give this, you give me that. No, I'm I'm doing this out of the goodness of my heart because I want to be a blessing to people. But I'm reminded by God that anything you sow into my kingdom, anything you give, I'm going to reward you with a generous return. He says, for whatever you sow, you're going to reap. Amen. Amen. If we're not manipulating God or trying to use God or trying to somehow uh, twist and turn. And, and, and in other words, I don't I didn't I didn't agree to do that because that's going to make me rich. I agreed to do it because I love these people and what they do for us. And I want it to be a blessing to them. Amen. But when the devil comes along and says "Now wait, wait a minute now that, you know, you know, you got some bills coming up. I can say, get, up, get, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> because whatever I sow, I'm going to reap anyway. Hallelujah. And you're not going to stop me from doing good things for people on the basis that, you know, you might go broke. You know, the old song says, you can't be God-giving no matter how you try. <laughs> Hallelujah. God's not going to let you fall flat on your face for being generous and being a blessing to others and to, particularly to his kingdom. Amen? Amen. Amen. And then look, the 12th verse says, for the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. Our giving brings glory to God. Our giving brings glory to almighty God. Amen. 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 Not that we're, we don't, we're not going around announcing it, but the results that people see brings glory to his name. Because when you do something good, if anybody says, wow, that that was really great. Thank you so much. When they start trying to give you all the accolades, what you should say is, well, to God be the glory. Because if it weren't for Jesus, I wouldn't be in a position to do it or have a heart to do it. Amen, amen. Amen. Let Let them know who's responsible for that generosity that you are showing. Let the glory redound to almighty God, not to you, amen. 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 And Jesus said, if you give up anything for the kingdom of God, you're going to receive a hundredfold in this life and the world to come everlasting life. Amen. Amen. All right. Praise God. All right. Let me get to then the final portion of this, because we've been talking now in this last uh, segment of the series about the kingdom, about the kingdom. And the men and I, by the way, had a very good discussion on Wednesday night, you know, talking about our attitude toward church, our attitude toward the kingdom. And the Lord had laid on my heart earlier in prayer, you know, part of the problem is we don't really take seriously the idea that God really loves and and exalts his church as the representative of his son. I don't, think, I don't think most people really get that. I don't think most Christians do. I think most Christians view church as someplace you go to have a service. And I don't think most Christians have a grasp on the fact this stuff is vitally important to Almighty God. And when you make it important in your life, you are showing God that He is important in your life. I'm not talking about as a substitute for your relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm talking about as an outworking of that relationship. Hallelujah, glory to God, glory to God. Listen, David said this in Psalm 84, I love this Psalm too. Well, first of all, before we get there, Psalm 122, remember what David said? I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And look, David wasn't even born again. David didn't hadn't even seen the fulfillment of the coming of the Messiah. David is simply looking at the temple that God built for the children of Israel. Remember, David has an expectation that God is going to send someone to sit on his throne forever. But David hasn't come into the fullness of that understanding. He's got that revelation. He doesn't know how that's going to unfold. But even at the level of revelation that he had, David said, I was glad when they said unto me. Let us go into the house of the Lord. How many Christians do you think feel that way? I would hazard to guess. I would hazard to guess. I guarantee you not all. I don't know the exact percentage. I haven't done a poll on it. But I guarantee you there are a lot of people who claim to know Jesus who go to church out of obligation. Cause that's what you're supposed to do. But David said, I was glad. (laughs) In other words, David said, I was cheerful. I was joyful. I was merry. I was rejoicing when somebody said, let's go to the house of the Lord. Are you all hearing me? If your faith is increasing, saints, you you all know my story. Sister Jackson couldn't beg, borrow, or steal away for me to go to church before I got saved. And once I got saved, she couldn't keep me out. Once I got saved, I wanted to be, the church, be in church every chance I got. <laughs> and when we go on vacation, we go to church. We find some church wherever we're vacationing to go on Sunday morning without fail. Because we feel like this. I was glad when they said unto me. Let us go into the house of the Lord. You got Christians who will skip church to go shopping. Skip church to go to some dumb entertainment mess. Skip church, God just I just didn't feel like it. I need a break. But if your faith is really growing, this is where you ought to be going. See, David's got a passion for God, and therefore he has a passion for what God has created. And in Psalm eighty-four. And by the way, in the ninth verse of that same Psalm 122, David says, I will seek good for the house of God. You all remember, of course, that David, when God told him, David, you can't build my temple, there's blood on your hands. But when Solomon became king, David left vast sums of wealth for the purpose of building the house of God. And remember what God said to him when, when God told him, David, I'm not gonna allow you to do it. But, but God said, but David, it was good that it was in your heart. <laughs> that, what, that, what does that tell you? It tells you God was pleased by that. He, he liked that. <laughs> that David loved God and cared about God and, and wanted to please God enough that he wanted to build the temple of God. And God said, no, son, I'm not going to let you do that. That's going to have to be, that's going to have to fall to your son. But I'm glad that you wanted to do it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Psalm 84 says, how lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. Now, remember, for us, the tabernacle, the church is simply a representation of what the real tabernacle is. The real tabernacle is the people of God. But David said, how lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. Listen to this, saints. My soul longs. Yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. How do you feel about that? There are times when some you, you all are not here. Maybe I've stopped by by myself or I've stopped by to do something. I've been over the center and I walk in here, turn the lights on, just come in here, just stand up, stand and look. Because I, I, I like being here. I, I, I just like that this is a place that is dedicated to almighty God. Amen. See, David said, my soul longs, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Is that how you feel? Get up in the morning, excited to come to church. Say, Lord, wow, my my soul longs, even faints, Lord, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Boy, it's awfully quiet in here. I mean, uh, so are we really... Are we growing in our faith in a biblical way, or, or do we just have our own ideas? Amen. And listen to this. The third verse is: even us, even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts. Now, saints. This, this is Bishop's understanding of, of what God is saying to David here. You know what that's saying? Even the birds got enough sense to want to be around the house of God. Even the birds got enough sense to want to be in the, in the, in the place that God has set aside for his name. What about human beings? What about God's people, his Christians? Says, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. In other words, what we're doing here, praising God, worshiping God, we're going to be doing this for eternity. Amen. This is eternal business that we're doing. You know what? Amazon's not eternal. Google's not eternal. Apple's not eternal. Microsoft's not eternal. But what we're doing is eternal. Says, as they passed, and listen to this. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with uh, with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. You know what that's saying? Blessed are the people who set out to get to your house. Think about that the next time you get up (laughs) to go to church. God says, blessed are those whose heart is set on getting to Zion. Zion is just a, uh, here again, a representation of the place that God has set apart for his name and for his worship and his praise. Amen? Amen. You know, if the whole body of Christ thought this way, you know how much more powerful the church would be and how much more impact the church would make in the culture. Amen. And I'm just getting started. I'm, I, it, 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 you pay close attention to me because I, I haven't even gotten as deep in this as we're going to get. But look. The, 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 the 10th verse says for a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. You can barely get people in church today to volunteer to do anything. For one thing, they don't have enough discipline to actually be reliable. And David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. In other words, rather than all the luxury and all the, the, the worldly wealth and, and, and stuff that I as a king could have, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in God's house than have all that. Amen. Come, I'm talking to you here. Amen. Glory to God. Listen, I'm teaching better than you're responding right now but, but I hope you're taking to heart what I am teaching from the Word of God here, amen? Amen, amen. amen. Like I said, if it, if, it, if it challenges you, step up to it. And if you feel like, praise God, I, that's the way I feel, then embrace that. Amen. amen. But for all you Christians out there listening right now for whom church is nothing but something you do every Sunday morning, you need to repent. Amen. I'm, you need to, re- look, because you know what, as far as I'm concerned, if David, had, with, with far less spiritually than we as Christians have felt this way, what in the world is wrong with us when we have a better covenant based on better promises? Amen. Are you all hearing me? Yeah. Glory to God, glory to God. In Psalm 92, verses 13 through 15 says, Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. How many Christians do you think believe that those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God and bear fruit in old age and be fresh and flourishing? How many do you think really believe that? Really believe that? Because that's what the word says. So if we're increasing in our faith, our relationship to God's kingdom, and remember, the church is the representation of the kingdom of God here on the earth. You know, whether you know it or not, the church is a government within itself. It's not a secular government controlling people, but it's a government within itself. We are representations of the ultimate government of the kingdom of God because the king is Jesus. People out in the world don't have Jesus as their king. He's still king, but they don't have him as their king. But we do. Amen. We know that Jesus is our king. Amen. And he's appointed representatives to lead and carrying out his business. And let's face it, even in the body of Christ, I know this from the many preachers I've talked to over my many years of ministry. in the body of Christ, instead of treating preachers like servants of the Lord Jesus Christ, people treat them like trash and kick them aside when they feel like it. Mm Mm-hmm. You don't have to say amen, but it's true. I know I've seen it. I've experienced it because people don't have the right mindset about the church, which is what I'm teaching you right now. This is the right attitude that we're supposed to have for the church. The church is a seed of the kingdom of God. Amen, amen, amen. And look, saints, if we we understood that we are a kingdom, that we are a people, which is what the Bible says, we are a holy nation, a holy people, a royal priesthood, if we understood that all this garbage that we've allowed to divide, the church would be out the window. Because we'd realize those of us who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ are brothers and sisters in the same family. Glory to God, glory to God. Why do you think, saints, that when communists take over a country, the first thing they do Close the churches and lock up preachers because they need, they want to create an alternate kingdom and they can't have a kingdom in their midst. And they understand because the devil understands the church is a competing kingdom with the world. And the only way they can deal with that, shut them down and put those preachers in jail or kill them. And they've done it everywhere communism has taken over. They did it in Russia, they did it in China, they did it in North Korea, they've done it they did it in Vietnam, they did it in Cambodia, they did it in Laos. Every they did it in Cuba. Next time you see somebody wearing a Che Guevara picture on their shirt, you ought to say, "Oh, so you subscribe to mass murder, huh?" Yeah. Cuz Che Guevara was a mass murderer. And so was Fidel Castro. And I've said it before, I'll say it again. Every time Castro came to the United States of America, he went to Abyssinian Baptist Church to speak. And I said then, and I'll say it again, that's an abomination to put that murdering atheist in a gospel pulpit to talk to anybody. What they ought to be doing is laying hands on him and cast them devils out of him and getting him straight before God. That's right, I said it because it's an abomination before God. And Christians ought not be accepting any mess like that. Yeah, amen. We are a kingdom. We, Fidel Castro, when he's alive, represented the kingdom of hell, the kingdom of darkness. Why would you put somebody like that in your pulpit? Yeah, when you represent the kingdom of God and you're answering to Jesus Christ. That's right, that's right. I had... I had the nation of Islam so mad at me in Boston, I know they would have liked to kill me if they could because they would have preachers put Farrakhan in their pulpit and I publicly denounce him. I say it's an abomination for a gospel preacher to put that, that unbeliever in their pulpit to speak to people on the thing. Well, he's a black brother. He's a devil. Well, he's full of the devil. Having no business behind the holy desk. Where we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's an abomination before God. And anybody who does that, you know what that tells me? They don't know Jesus. Because if you know Jesus, you wouldn't dare disrespect him that way. You wouldn't dare dishonor him that way. By putting somebody behind the desk that he's set up. Who tells people that he's not the answer to speak to God's people. What's wrong with you? Glory to God. We are a kingdom, saints. And this represents, we represent this kingdom that is eternal in its earthly manifestation right now. Amen? Amen. Amen. You know, the church, from God's perspective, ought to be the most powerful influence in the world. How can we be when we compromise like that? How can we be when we compromise like that? See... Most saints don't have a kingdom mindset and don't, I say most, many, because I, I can't state, say that categorically because here again I haven't done any scientific polling. We do know that 75% of the churches in America no longer believe that the Bible is the word of God. We do know that. That's, that's statistically documented. We do know that of the 25% that still believe that the Bible is the word of God and still believe that it is the final authority in all matters of faith and practice, only 10% of those pastors are willing to, to take the word of God and apply it to the issues of the day. Most of them, the rest believe it, but they don't want to say anything about it because they don't want to be controversial. They don't want to do what I just did and just publicly just tell it like it is. If I was in a church and, a, and, and, and somebody told me they were bringing Farrakhan in the church, I'd leave and never look back. Because I say, how in the world can you lead me to heaven? You don't have sense enough even to keep the holy desk holy. I'd go find me a pastor who really believed the Bible is the word of God and had a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because I'd assume the pastor who would bring Farrakhan into his pulpit doesn't know Jesus and doesn't know anything about what the Bible teaches. God condemned the children of Israel every time they relied on Egypt, every time they relied on, on, on Syria, every time they went up to the godless nations and said, will you help us? God said, who am I? I Can't I help you? We had a shooting in Boston where two, two guys got into a gunfight in the church. It started outside, but one of the guys who escaped gunfire ran into a church and there was a funeral going on and they're having a shootout in the funeral. People are ducking and diving under pews. And and, and I mean, it was a major issue. And you know how the church resolved the issue? They asked the nation of Islam to be their guards. Uh, Saints, we are a kingdom. That's like the United States of America reaching out to, 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 you name it, Great Britain or France is saying, Would you all send some troops over? We need some, we need some help to guard our country. We don't need their help to, to guard what we have. We're capable of doing that on our own. Amen? Amen. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. As Christians don't want the kingdom of God to have the kind of influence it needs to have because they don't want it to have that much influence in their own lives. Because Christians want to be Christians and still listen to gangster rap and they want to be Christians and still go out to the bars and they want to be Christians and still hang out and and talk all kinds of stupid stuff. Find some people who you know to be Christians, look at their Facebook page, tell me how Christian it is. Tell me, would you look at their Facebook page and say, wow, I, I can see that person loves the Lord. They don't, want, they don't want to have the kingdom influence everything and everybody because they don't want it to influence them that much. Because if you let the kingdom set your standards, guess what? It, it's, it, 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 look, it's constricting. Are you all hearing me? Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I said something on the radio the other day. I can't remember what it was uh, because I don't curse at all. But, but whatever I said it just struck me as a as I don't know. I wasn't comfortable with this. I withdrew it <laughs> and said it in a way that I thought was was less potentially offensive because I don't even want to come close to saying things in a way that would offend almighty God. Amen. And say, and, and, and look, you know, by, I'm by no means perfect. Just ask Sister Jackson. She knows. Yeah. But I mean, there's some things I can do. Right. Amen. There's some things I can do. You're not going to go to my Facebook page and find me talking about some dumb uh, Hollywood figure and how much I love them. I mean, I I love them all in the name of Jesus, but but you know how much I admire them. I'm looking up to them. Oh, did you hear this new song they put out? I don't care. We we should be kingdom minded. Amen. And if the church were kingdom minded, we'd be the most powerful influence in the world. You know what? We could have put a stop to this homosexuality nonsense. We could have stopped it cold but so many pastors were afraid to say anything about it. The black church wouldn't say much. The the predominantly black membership church wouldn't say much because the first black president pushed it so hard. And if you opposed it, then you look like you were opposing him. And you don't want to oppose the first black president. I mean, you got to choose him over Jesus, right? Yeah, I said it and I mean it color of the skin shouldn't matter, not one whit. It's not about race, it's about righteousness. Amen? But if the church had risen up, who knows, it might have been a witness to him. If the church had said, listen, Mr. President, we're glad we've got the first black president, but we are not in any way going to support you if you continue down this road supporting the killing of our unborn babies, supporting homosexuality and transgenderism. It is an abomination in the sight of God and we're gonna trust God to take care of us. We don't need a black president to do it if you're going down that road. Amen. Saints, that the church would unite around the Bible instead of dividing over race and over party, oh my goodness gracious, there's no, there's no power on earth that could stop our influence, amen? Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. In fact, to tell you the truth, there are people in the church today and throughout our history as a country, there have been people in churches who cared more about racial consciousness than kingdom consciousness. Because in the early part of our history, it was those Americans predominantly of European descent who were trying to Somehow amalgamate the gospel with a racial vision that said, well, you know, the slaves belong there because God put them there and that's what he wants for them. And we're quite all right in the sight of God to be doing this. Now, not all, but many justified it on some biblical basis. Because after all, you know, they're inferior, they can't take care of themselves, and you know, as if God didn't really make them with the same wherewithal intellectually that He made, with, made us with, and you know, all that nonsense. Well, most churches of European, uh, that are predominantly people of European ancestry, uh, have, have, of course, rejected that. They realized that was wrong, and they, they're no longer doing that. But now you've got minority churches that are into racial consciousness in the same way that the antebellum and post, postbellum church was after, be, just before and after the Civil War, in the same way that they were, now you've got that happening in predominantly churches of people of African descent, and so, in some cases others as well. Where our racial solidarity is more important than our kingdom solidarity. Because after all our big problem is not the devil, our big problem is white folks. Yeah, and I offer no apology either because it's that again. that's an abomination in the sight of God. Because the word of God says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. And we're supposed to put on the whole armor of God, not buy into some stupid black liberation theology or listen to some dummy like James Cone telling people that if the God you serve is not black, kill him. Now, saints, uh, this, this stuff has just got to stop. Amen. It's just got to stop. I mean, that's what the KKK claimed that they were Christians. That's why they burned the cross. They, they claimed that they were Christians. And that God had a special dispensation for them as white people.